The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. 2017. I heard this statement from somebody. And it stuck with me my whole career. Growing up in Pitney Village was something to be scared of. This case is not something to be scared of. They were the words of Scott Grable on my first big criminal case. And I'll always appreciate those words. And I know that people have been texting me when I said I'm going to do a blog about Scott Grable, like what's going to be said tonight. Well, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to be real about things and we're just going to have a discussion. I'm Bill Amadeo, McManus and Amadeo, and Grable and Associates, and this will be content for the jail visit. Live audience, we cool? All right. Got the thumbs up from the live audience. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is the jail visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. I am beat the hell up because Adam's son, who I think is the best trainer in Michigan, kicked my living ass tonight. Where's my football? Jesus. I mean, I got the glasses on so I think I'm smart, but I can't lose the football for that old failed jock thing. My God. I saw Stuby from Lucky Boy's Confusion actually liked my post, and I gotta tell you, I'm wearing a Lucky Boy's Confusion shirt tonight. Lucky Boy's Confusion is... In my opinion, the greatest band in the last 20 years. I love LBC. Um, they never got the credit they deserved. Stuby, it's so great to see you with the hoodie life and with Lucky Boy's Confusion. So weird, I got that shirt on tonight. Storm Chasers was absolutely f***ing amazing. And the fact that at 20 years old and 40 years old, you could still love Lucky Boy's Confusion. It is great to be Facebook friends with you. And have you like my stuff after I grew up loving your stuff. That is so cool. You are the best voice I've ever heard, man. So, thank you. Thank you for 20 years of amazing memories. Love Lucky Boys Confusion. Live audience, you agree? Alright. I'm Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates. I'm getting a lot of shit tonight. Those about four topics tonight. It's not going to be a real long one. But as Josh Strickland from Shy Rossi Radio said, more content, more content, more content. And what did Hillary Clinton say? When they go low, we go high. How'd that work out for her? Anyway. Comfort zones. We all have comfort zones. I'm going to talk about the three places I feel most comfortable in the world. Detroit News Commentary. Everybody knows that my... Um, Quotes were in there today on the Ethan Crumley thing. I'll discuss that briefly. Talk about days we want the jury in, days we don't want the jury. Now I'm going to do something called Talent by County. And I'm going to give a list of really amazing lawyers by county and criminal defense. That if you're in need, um, you should call these people. Because there's some damn good lawyers out there. I know I get a lot of PR I'm kind of like a media whore and all that stuff, but there is so much talent out there that if you're in certain counties, these people, you can't go wrong with them. So we're going to discuss that tonight. Let's about our comfort zones. Crim law, in my opinion, leads you to comfort zones. Um, so there's three places I'm most comfortable. I'm going to explain those three places. One has always been the circuit court. I don't know what it is about the circuit court, but I just feel at home. I never felt as home in a district court as I do in a circuit court. And to me, the circuit court's like cathedrals. Uh, the Shiawassee Circuit Court to me is like home. I just feel comfortable there. Washington Circuit Court, Frank Murphy, there's been some major wins there. The circuit court separates JV from varsity, in my opinion. This is where shit gets real. And there's always been something, even on Zoom, about just being in circuit court where you just feel there's that tinge of pressure, you know? And it just evolves into something. Today was a great day in circuit court. Even though it was Zoom, I was really pleased with those arguments. And there's just something about being there where the lights are on. The lights are on and it's time just to play ball. Sarah May says circuit court is like caviar compared to anchovies. Hey, Sarah May, can I ask you a question? Who are you? Because you were talking a lot of shit 
about Boogie Nights, and you're still not identifying who you are. So, I appreciate the great your commentary, but I still like to know who you are, because your Boogie Nights comments have not been forgotten. Thank you for that. Sarah May again. Yeah, it's got to be Shiawassee. We know it's Shiawassee. We don't know who she is, or who he is. Anyway, the second place I always felt at home was the poker table. This comes from Atlantic City. You know, in Atlantic City, gambling was always something that was not just a hobby, it was mandatory. And something about the poker table, about the pressure of everybody coming at you, you know, you just felt at home to play your hand. What two, I'm talking about Texas Hold'em, okay? What two cards do you have in your hand? It's a metaphor for life. You're holding something, everybody else is holding something. And if you win, there's this pot. If you lose, you go home with nothing. Now, with that being said, the thing about poker that really connected to me was the movie Rounders. Rounders was a movie about a guy in law school who had a gambling addiction. Could relate to that. Mike McDermott, played by Matt Damon. And there was a scene in Rounders that hits home with criminal law and hits home with life. Mike says in this one scene, it's like I always told Worm, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle. But you can't win a lot either. Here's what that means. You cannot achieve great success without taking great risk. And that is the thing about criminal defense You've got to have the guts to go to trial. You know, your goal in every single case has to be twofold. To win the case at trial or to perfect your hand so much that you get a plea that's in the benefit of your client. If they're not your two goals, you should not be doing this. Get a dismissal or not guilty verdict or get them a plea that's going to protect their life. In so many ways, criminal law is like it's an amazing game of no-limit poker. The risk is someone's freedom, someone's future. The reward is giving them back that peace of mind they had before ever being charged. So in those two ways, I think the poker table and the circuit court are identical to each other. And look at the circuit court like it's a casino, and the dealer is going to deal the hand. The judge is the pit boss. The prosecutor is the other player. The jury are the people considering if they want to bet or not. That's where I'm at with it. The third place I always felt comfortable was the baseball diamond. And the live audience can relate to this, because the live audience was a better baseball player than me. But I will tell you, something about the pitcher's mound. When you're on the pitcher's mound... You have control. Everything centers around you. Am I going to throw a fastball? Does my fastball have movement on it? Am I going to throw a changeup? Am I going to throw junk? You and the catcher are in sync with each other. The batter's trying to knock your shit out. Being on the pitcher's mound, for everybody watching, is like giving a closing in circuit court. There's something that you have to love about being on that mound. Being on the mound, talking to the jury, or playing a poker hand. In every one of the aspects that I'm most comfortable, there is this large amount of risk. And there's also this amazing amount of rewards. And they are the three places I just feel most at home. And they're my comfort zones. Now, that's me. We all got our places. For some people, it's their home or their vacation home. Some people, it's church. Maybe it's their favorite restaurant. The three places I always just felt like me was circuit court, poker table, or the baseball diamond, especially the pitcher's mound. That's that. Okay, transition. Detroit News commentary today. 
Mike Martindale, Karen Buford, they interviewed me as quote unquote an expert on mental health issues. Well, we could take that a few ways, couldn't we? <laughs> anyway, I did speak on the Ethan Crumpley case today. It wasn't Detroit News. If you want to check it out, I made my comments. Uh, Karen Buford and I knew each other from the Darian Smith Blackman case, and we knew each other from the Bobby Reyes case, and they wanted my insight on Ethan Crumpley and his family. I did make one comment that really seemed to upset a lot of people, and I'll address that comment today. Actually, I made two comments. One, I did stand by Karen McDonald in the article, because a lot of arguments, is Ethan Crumpley uh, mentally unstable? Here's the thing. Here's my problem with that defense, and I wish defense lawyers well. I don't ever want to on another defense lawyer. Um, there's a couple of cases I have right now that people know about where I'm arguing that there are mental health issues. I think the difference between my cases and the Crumpley case, obviously they're not school shooting cases, but I think there's a difference, guys, between somebody reacting, doing something, or allegedly doing something based on mental instability, and somebody planning to do something. If somebody plans to do something, I'm going to argue that even if they're a little off, they're not incompetent. Because they had enough intellect to create a tragedy. As opposed to somebody who does something in a reactionary matter. I think the Center for Forensic Psychology is a goddamn joke. It is a goddamn joke. I stand by that. There's no way in hell 80% of the people that go to the Center for Forensic Psychology are deemed competent. Uh, Trovius Star, we'll talk about Tro later. We could talk about cases where we've seen defendants urinating on themselves in court. And the competency center says, oh, they're fine. And when somebody's deemed not competent, we have prosecutors, yeah, I said it, prosecutors and psychologists trying to say, oh, well, they'll be restored. And we're seeing that with a lot of young people. And we really see it in the black community a lot. Um, I realize that a lot of people that were big into protests don't really care about these things anymore. However, with that being said, there's a lot of young black people in Ipsy that are getting f***ed over because they're not being treated for mental health issues. They end up in the criminal justice system. This is something that's important. Um, doesn't matter what's going on politically. These issues that were present this summer are ever present today. And I do feel young people need the mental health help they deserve. I also don't necessarily feel that Ethan Crumpley falls in that category. I think the kid planned it out. I don't like his parents. And I think Shannon Smith's an amazing lawyer. I know Shan's not a big fan of mine, that's fine. But I think she's a great lawyer, and I'll say it on the record. But I also feel that the Crumpley family cares more about themselves and their son. They have retained counsel, he doesn't. Let's just start with that. Um, I just don't think that Ethan Crumpley was mentally incompetent. And, Mike, I would love to hear your stories about the Forensic Center. Mike McCartney, who was a cop for years, and he knows a shit. I just don't feel Ethan was incompetent. And as much respect I have for Karen McDonald... I think Karen would have considered that prior to bringing charges. So we could be defense lawyers, we could be prosecutors. It doesn't matter if we're going to be objective. I'm not a fan of the Crumpley case, and I stand with the prosecutor on that one. And my comments, I stand by them in the Detroit News today. I know there's a lot of people. Um, some people have no life. They just like to, you know, hang on my every word and kind of twist it. You know. Uh, the reality is this. I don't think the kid was even not competent, but I think it's going to be a battle of the experts. And I know people say psychology is not science, but this is going to come down to science. We have cases right now pending where there is such a fight to say somebody is competent when they're deemed not competent. And it really starts with legislator. Legislation needs to be put in place so that we have a fair reading of somebody. We need to have a fair reading of somebody when they go to the competency center. And I just don't think we have that right now. I really don't. And I will tell you this. Some of the kids I represented that have been deemed competent, if Ethan Crumpley is deemed incompetent after some of the cases I've seen, boy, I won't mention the name of one particular case I have because I do know there are some idiots out there that will try to twist it and say that I'm creating an ethic violation. But I will say this, I have one kid 
Anakani that starts with a letter towards the end of the alphabet who cannot understand what the hell's going on in his daily life. And that kid was deemed competent by some supposed doctor at the forensic center. And in that individual's report, they said, and I quote, the individual has a history of being bipolar, being schizophrenic, and despite this, he's perfectly competent to assist in his own defense. When you talk to this kid, you know what the hell's going on. And if we're going to do a forensic test, we can't be doing it on a Zoom. They're doing these tests on Zoom because of COVID. You have to study the body language of the people you're examining. It's just common sense, man. So, I'm not a fan of Crumpley or his family. I am not a fan of Forensic Center. And there's a lot of moving parts here. And what I said to Detroit News today, I completely stand behind. And I will say Karen Buford, who I consider one of the most respected journalists in the state of Michigan. I think Josh Champlain's the best. I think Karen's a great journalist. I think Kim Russell's a great reporter. The reason why I like Karen, Josh, and Kim Russell so much is because they're three of the few journalists that didn't twist my words. I always say when I'm quoted in the press, if they get 80% of it right, that's a win. On the Jacob Wool case, the friggin' Miami Herald said I blasted Judge Moreno in New York. That's not what I did. I said Jacob Wool's entitled to constitutional protection. I didn't blast the judge. I disagreed with the judge. But I told that reporter that Jacob Wool was entitled to constitutional protection. I don't give a f what your political affiliation is, whether you're Republican or Democrat. We should not be having political prosecutions. Let me be very clear on that. Stay tuned on that one. You'll see. Anyway, Dave's jurors prefer. All right, you ever hear that song? I don't. Um, that's why I don't like Mondays. Boomhouse Saints or something like that. Anyway, Mondays in our mind. Here's where psychology comes to the law. Mondays are always equating to exhaustion. It's the beginning of what we have to do. And Fridays are the end. It's never great to start a trial on a Monday. You're better off on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday because the mindset of work is more present. It's always good to end on a Friday. And if you're actually starting a trial on a Monday, you need to connect with the jury and apologize for that in the beginning. You need to relate to them. Number one thing, especially in Detroit, the jurors pick sides at Vordaire. And you're an uphill battle if you're not connected with the jury. The fact that a juror, especially under these conditions of COVID, has to come in on a Monday, that's something you need to be sympathetic to. The jurors are not getting paid properly. They're putting themselves at risk. We need to appreciate the service the jurors are doing. And if we're making a juror come in on a Monday, the judge should realize what a hardship that is. It creates a different hurdle for both sides. Um, Fridays are always a good day for jury selection, and here's why. You should select your jury on a Friday if you have the option. Because once you've picked your jury, they connect with you a little bit. Then they come back on Monday to write to work. There's a relaxation mechanism that comes into play there. Mondays are rough. Fridays are good. The rest of the days are middling. So be careful out there when you talk about jury selection. We don't always have a choice on dates. But Mondays can be deadly. Try to play with that. Young lawyers out there, be careful with that. Okay, we're going to talk about some talent by counties. And I just, I wrote some stuff up. Who I think are excellent lawyers in different counties. I want to give some shout outs tonight to some people. Um, I've worked with most of these people in one way or another. Or they've helped me, or we went to law school together. But these are people I think are cut above. Let me be clear. There's a lot of amazing lawyers out there. Okay? A lot of amazing lawyers. But these particular lawyers just kind of stood out to me tonight. So if I don't mention somebody, it's certainly no disrespect. But I just feel these, this group I mentioned, they've really impressed me in one way or another lately. 
Okay. Washington County. Um, Trovia Star is becoming an amazing trial lawyer. Tro and I are on the Ben Craft case together. Tro and I have worked a lot of different things together. We're on the Grady L case together. And I think Tro is a cut above. Um, he's becoming more seasoned. He's got a brilliance about him. He sees issues that most people don't see. You cannot go wrong hiring Trovia Star. I think Sam Bernstein, not the one you're thinking of, okay, not the guy from Lansing. Sam Bernstein, a criminal defense lawyer in Washington County, he's excellent. Has a real way of advocating for his client in a real respectful manner. Good level of intellect. I think Trovia Star and Sam Bernstein are two rising stars, two really good young lawyers. In Ingham County, I think everything begins and ends with Scott Grable. I think Grable and Associates has a amazing team. I'm a little biased when I say that, but I mean, if you look, look who's on Scott's team. What Scott did was he put somebody who he felt was a star in each county for his sphere of influence. So Scott, Grable and Associates is never a bad option no matter where you are, but in Lansing, that's their home. Pete Samoris is a damn good lawyer. He works with Grable and Associates. You can't go wrong with Pete. Pete has an insane amount of knowledge. He's won some major trials, and I think Pete Samoris... I've watched Pete before I started doing um, heavy crim trials, and I learned a lot. So Pete Samoris is a great selection. Wayne County, I'm going to mention two lawyers, three lawyers, actually. Asher Duplessis, who is a badass. Um... I know she wants to kill me sometimes. She made a joke today about stabbing me, which I didn't really think was warranted. Mm. But uh, luckily a client called, so I got away from that phone call. Ashley's great. David Hertzkowitz on appeals. Dave is a damn good lawyer. Um, I'm friends with Dave on a personal level. I would trust him with an appeal. And... I will say Danielle Cattery is an excellent criminal defense lawyer. I haven't talked to Danielle in a while, but she she's talented. Kent County, Megan Mast, or now she's Megan Smith. Megs is a badass. I don't think there's anybody better for driver license restorations in the state of Michigan. We have some major capital cases, and uh, Meg's a fighter. She brings a real unique style to the game. She's a killer. And Joe Brugnoli. And Joe's with Grable and Associates. Joe was a cop for years. He was an Army Ranger. And I think he brings a lot of real life experience, which helps him navigate the courtroom in a very special manner. Always like working with Joe. Shy Town. Shy Wassie. Before he became a prosecutor, Scott Corner was amazing as a criminal defense lawyer. Um. Of course, he's with the Evil Empire now as a prosecutor, so we miss you, Scott, on our side. Thanks for the lessons we learned when you were on the good side. Uh, Matt McCone, fantastic attorney. A lot of respect for Matt. If I had a case in Shiawassee, I wouldn't go wrong hiring Matt McCone. And I will tell you, Doug Corwin and Amy Hughes said do a damn good job at the public defender's office. Public defenders get a bad rap. They have crazy workloads, but, I mean, Doug's knowledgeable. Doug had an amazing Winnie Street out there. Amy's extremely knowledgeable. Um, I really think that if you needed a criminal defense lawyer in Shiawassee, I mean, obviously, I get a lot of calls out there. Grable gets a lot of calls out there. Matt McCone's a damn good lawyer. But if you were going to go with the public defender's office, you're in good hands. Uh, Mark Durfee's a great public um, private investigator. A lot of respect for them out there. Livingston County, before Carolyn Henry went to the Evil Empire, became the chief assistant, she was a damn good, uh, damn good defense lawyer. Tim Livingston's a great defense lawyer. And I'm extremely biased towards Bill McQuarrie. I think Bill McQuarrie is the best trial lawyer, trial technician I've ever seen. My first two trials, I sat second chair with Bill McQuarrie. And the things I learned with Bill, it was insane. I learned so much from him. When I didn't know my asthma hole in the ground, Tim Livingston helped me out in Livingston County. So I had a lot of respect for him. And Carolyn Henry 
I consider her a friend, and even though we're on other sides, she's reasonable. She's going to protect that community, but she's willing to listen. And that's one of the talents a prosecutor needs. I hope one day Carolyn is in charge of everything out there, because I think she's doing a good job in Livingston. But I am biased towards Bill McQuarrie, just because he's taught me so much. Bill McQuarrie is an absolute tactician at trial. Ironically, in Lenaway County, while she just showed up for the live, Nancy Eaton Gordon is who I would hire. And if you would hire Nancy Eaton Gordon, you would save me that fucking 46 minute trip down those back roads. I've been in Lenaway more the last two weeks than I've been in Shiawassee. And Nancy, you know that's bullshit. I would hire Nancy Eaton Gordon in a minute from Jackson Eaton Gordon. Nancy, we go back to law school. Nancy's one of the few people that can call me on my shit on a regular basis. I think she actually has superior knowledge than me. I'm sorry I interrupted your Zoom the other day trying to go back to the conference room, Nance. My bad on that. You're a great lawyer. You're a great friend. And we share a couple idiots together that we've worked for. And working with you, so we've gotten some great results. Lastly, Saginaw. Patricia Slomsky was a badass in Wayne County. She is a fucking killer. And she's somebody I've learned a lot from. She's out in Sag Nasty right now. And Jeremy Tatum. Jeremy Tatum is somebody who I tutored in law school. And he's become a dominant force in Saginaw. And you can't go wrong with Jeremy Tatum. And that's where we're going to end right now. It is 727. Live audience, I get enough in? Uh, we'll let that one go. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Okay. As many of you know, Scott Grable is the founder of Grable and Associates. And Grable and Associates is arguably the top criminal defense firm in the state of Michigan. There's an argument that it may be somebody who's the best criminal defense lawyer, but we're gonna leave that out there, not gonna come off as arrogant. The best criminal defense firm as a whole as a team is Grable and Associates. And I'm still part of Scott Grable's team, and I'm proud of that. But I will tell you our history tonight. And what I decide to do, after talking to Josh Strickland and my inner circle, part of which is the live audience, <laughs> was we were going to do character sketches on the inner circle. I'm going to do one on Matt McManus. I'm going to do one on Jen Kelly. I'm going to do one on Scott Grable, and tonight's about Scotty, because I wouldn't be doing criminal law if it wasn't for Scott Grable. I first met Scott in 2014, I think. It's hard to believe. Eight years ago. And when I met Scott, I was tutoring full-time. And Scott had just rented a space at the uh, PNC building in Lansing, where I was living at the time, with my tutoring business. And Jasmine Oakley was the office manager there. And Scott had just come in. And Jasmine said, hey, this is Bill Amadeo. He often uses the conference rooms after hours. He works around the clock. And Scott comes at me and he goes, wow, if I got a $50,000 fucking CSC, I need to interview someone. You can't be in the conference room. I said, hey, how you doing? I'm Bill Amadeo. It was a weird opening. It's like, wow, this guy's pretty arrogant good for him I don't do criminal law at this time but his last name was Grable and I said do you know Harry Grable and his eyes got real big he looks at me and he goes why do you ask so I grew up in Atlantic City and Harry Grable owned Grable's bar my mom used to sing karaoke there and Mr. Grable was like an icon Atlantic City he goes Harry Grable's my father like holy shit. It's really weird that here we are in Lansing in 2014 and we're meeting like these two Jersey guys coming together. It was very bizarre, right? So he says, where did you go to high school? I said, Atlantic City High. 
goes, I went to Atlantic City High. I said, where'd you go to college? He goes, Stockton. And I said, I went to Stockton. We're like, get the f out of here. It's like, where'd you go to law school? I said, Cooley. He goes, okay, stop right now. Here's Scott Grable, who's 10 years older than me. Same high school, same college, same law school. And as we got talking, we played in the same travel baseball leagues. And, you know, there's some things that are destiny, right? And I always believed that I was meant to meet Scott because the odds of us meeting in Lansing at the PNC building in 2014 had to be a million to one. And we had so many commonalities. You know, here we are, same high school, same upbringing. Now, he lived in Margate, I lived in Atlantic City. Big difference between those two, but we literally lived eight miles apart. And the history of Grable's bar is pretty fascinating. Um, Harry Grable, like I said, was an icon in Atlantic City. Grable's bar was known as, in its day, the most popular spot in Atlantic City. My mom used to go there all the time and sing karaoke, and Scott's dad's bar was some of the happiest moments of mom's life. I still have pictures of her singing karaoke there, and she just loved to sing at Grable's. And it was weird, because when I'm meeting Scott, it was seven years after my mom died. It made me think about mom and all these happy memories of Grable's. And I always tell a story of how I applied for a job at Grable's bar when I was bartending back in the day. And Scott's brother, Mark, turned me down for the job. I want that public. I will take an Andy Longusky polygraph on that, that I was actually turned down for a job at your father's bar. And I am still pissed off about that, Scott, just so you know. And I even told him recently how when I went to apply for this job, at his brother's bar. Um, I was a bartender at Tropicana and there was like this Halloween event. And I brought like this big rubber rat. Chris Mark liked these weird things. And I gave him the rubber rat and I went for my interview. He turned me down. And Scott said, when you have a client that's gonna turn evidence on somebody, do you present them with a rubber rat as well? You gotta understand Scott Grable's humor. Alexis Grable is terrified and intrigued right now. Scott Grable's happy he's getting sharp lines. You got it, buddy. And Nancy Eaton Gordon says the bromance began. So, one day at the PNC building where we were renting, we get notice that all our leases had been shut down. No notice on this, right? And I don't know what I'm going to do. And Scott was going to get a office at Boji Tower. And Scott told me, I'm not going to use that office much. So if you want to use it, um, go ahead, we'll work out something. So I went over to Boji Tower with Scott. And obviously we got closer as this happened. And at Boji Tower, I was tutoring around the clock, you know. And one of the people that used to see me tutoring all the time was Winnie Rich. Winnie is like a big sister. You know, Winnie is a case manager for Grable and Associates. And she would come in on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to meet a client, and she would see me tutoring. She would come in on Thursday night at 10 o'clock to meet a client, she would see me tutoring. And she comes up to me, she goes, hey, you need to do criminal law. And I'm like, oh no, I don't do crim. And she goes, you'd be great at crim. And I'm like, no, I don't. She goes, I'm telling Scott you need to do crim. And Winnie basically goes to Scott. And Scott's like, well, he doesn't know criminal law. And Winnie says, I don't give a f what this kid knows. He never stops working. He will learn. He will be a goddamn star. You have to bring him into this firm. At the time, I'm not doing crim law, and Scott don't have time to train me at this point. We'll talk about Scott training me because he really has been a great mentor. We'll get to that. But he don't have time to train me with his business, and I don't have time to learn this stuff. And at this point, I'm supporting my aunt. Like, I'm tutoring around the clock. Tutoring is a bittersweet memory. But uh, I was tutoring around the clock, and I was supporting Aunt Marin home. And with tutoring, I knew I had guaranteed money. You know, so I had to dedicate that, my life to it. And then in 2015... Aunt Mare got really sick. 
Um, she actually fell and hit her head and had a heart attack, and I had to rush home to Jersey. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You know, I had to pull the plug on mom, and then I had to make decisions for Aunt Mare, and it was like my whole family now was gone. And I'm in Jersey, and this is the side of Scott Grable people don't know. I'm in Jersey, and I have friends that owe me money, friends that owe me favors, and he was one of the few people that would call me to check on me. We weren't that close at this point, but he cared that my aunt was dying, and my business was about to get destroyed because some of the assholes I was tutoring actually took advantage of me going home two weeks and decided not to pay me and this and that. It was it was a brutal time period. And with the passing of Aunt Mare, you know, at this point in my life, I'm really out of shape. I'm stressed out. Aunt Mare's dying. And Scott was one of the few friends I had. I always appreciate that. But I also knew once Aunt Mare passed tutoring was going to be near the end it was time for me to just go full-time with the law thing and i knew like the first year or so with the law aspect was going to be a challenge and i never could take that risk at that point because aunt mary was like my child i had to support her financially and a year or so to establish myself was just not in the cards and when aunt mary passed away okay i'm just going to gamble on myself and i went to work for mcmanus um, PLLC, which was eventually Ann Arbor Legal, which is currently McManus and Amadeo. And it was a rough year. It was really a rough year. Things were tough financially for that year. And I called Scott one day. And I said, um, you got any research and writing I could do? I'll do it for like $40, $50 an hour. I really need to make some money and bring it into the firm. And he said, hey, we'll figure it out. Don't worry, I got your back. And he did have my back, but it wasn't quite as I expected. The very next day, Scott calls me, and he says, I got a case for you in Ann Arbor. And I said, oh, okay, what am I researching? He goes, no, 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 it's an embezzlement case. I'm like, what? Now, I don't know shit about crim law at this point. And I said to Scott, what do I do? He goes, read all the discovery three times. There was like 3,000 pages of discovery. So I went home and I start reading everything three times. And I'm finding all these things. And I go up to the prosecutor and I'm like, hey, on page 2,265, paragraph 4, it says this. And I think that negates an element of the crime. And I called Scott, I'm like, hey, I made that argument, I read the discovery three times, and why is the press here? He's like, what are you talking about? Well, he gave me a media case. It was supposed to be a media case, but it was a f***ing media case. And people were throwing a camera in my face. And if you know me, I'm not really shy about a camera being in my face, so I'm like, cool. So I'm calling Scott, and I'm telling him about, I found a hole in the case, and I gave a good quote to the press. He's like, what the f*** are you talking about? And um, that was the beginning of Krim for me. And from that point, I didn't really understand Krim at this juncture, but I knew I was comfortable in Krim. So Scott starts sending me across the state of Michigan. I'm going to Lenaway, I'm going to Lapeer, I'm going to Shiawassee, I'm going here, there, and everywhere. And I thought... That's what crim lawyers are supposed to do. You know? And I start getting dirty looks from all the local lawyers. Like, who's this guy coming in? And I'm starting to thrive. And uh, Scott will often joke that on my first case, he tied my hands up, threw me in the back of the ocean, and I just broke out and I was swimming like an Olympic swimmer. It was meant to be that I did crim law. It really was. And he changed my career and changed my life with that. And as the cases continued to pile up, I just started to really, like, I guess, take over this new persona. You know, he taught me insane motions. The Stanaway motion, which most people don't even know what the hell that is, became one of my go-tos. Rape by fraud. And the man... 
When I tell you Scott Grable's brilliant, trust me on this one. He knows more about motion practice and angles to play in a criminal case than anybody ever know. And there were times in this journey where I'd be really frustrated. Like, I would get a guy probation who was looking at 25 years in prison. And I wanted to go to trial, and the client didn't want to go to trial. And I'd be frustrated about that. And he would tell me, this was a powerful statement, some cases are about guilt and innocence, and some cases are about risk assessment. And at the end of the day, we work for the client. And he was right. In this game of criminal, we have egos, right? We have these major egos. Because people's freedom, we play a role in that. But we also got to have this humility. And the humility is that we actually are employed by the client. And there's so many people on Grable and Associates that have played a role in my life and career. And I'm going to go through a few of them right now. Because I didn't know shit in 2017. And it doesn't feel like it's been nearly five years. It's hard to believe it's only been five years. But here we are. During those stressful days, I would call Dan Trudeau. Dan Trudeau is a case manager. Dan Trudeau is one of the most brilliant people I know. And he would teach me aspects to cases. Even though he wasn't a lawyer, he was a cop for years. Dan knows more law than most criminal lawyers I know. We would go over things. There were so many times we'd have a tough case. And he goes, I want you to take this case. And I told the client, I want you to take this case. And it was... um. It was a belief in me before I had a belief in myself. And that was something. Without Dan and Winnie, I wouldn't be here right now. Without Scott taking a chance on me, I wouldn't be here right now. My first trials, I sat with Bill McQuarrie. Bill McQuarrie may be the best trial lawyer you'll ever see. Watching Bill McQuarrie at work, I want to take a piece of that. What I try to do is take a piece of Bill McQuarrie, take a piece of Scott Grable, put my personality, whatever you want to call it, in the mix and try to create like this hodgepodge of criminal defense. And, you know, people say what works for me works for me, it won't work for anybody else. I think Bill McQuarrie is maybe the best technical I've ever seen. The guy knows the rules of evidence, he knows the law, he's like a surgeon at trial. I'm more of a fire and brimstone guy. Um... But I will tell you, if I didn't sit with those two trials with Bill McQuarrie, I wouldn't have had the trial knowledge to win the Eric Coleman case. And, you know, when the Eric Coleman case happened, yeah, Eric is uh, somebody I think about every day. And it was posted on my Facebook today. And it was an attempted murder case. And Eric's family could have hired anybody. They really could have. And it was my first really huge case, which wasn't under the Grable umbrella. This was a McMass and Amadeo case. And I was admittedly initially over my head on this case. And I would call Scott in the middle of the night and go over stuff. And he told me what I needed to do when Eric was on the stand. He told me the practice of this and how to utilize the Castle Doctrine. And, you know, the thing that bothers me about Eric, the one thing that will always be guilty, and I'm eternally grateful to Scott because we don't win that case without Scott's knowledge. He taught me how to win that case. If there's one thing about me, I've always been a damn good student. I listen, man. I listen, I put it to practice. You know, right before the trial, Eric's trial, there was an offer on the table. We went from Eric looking at 20 years in prison to two years in prison. I looked at Eric and I said to Eric, there's an offer for two years, what do you want to do? Eric goes, well, I don't want to take the deal. I said, okay, cool. He goes, what do you think I should do? He looked at me, and he said, B, 
what do you think I should do? I'm going to listen to whatever you tell me. You tell me to take the two years, I'm going to take the two years. And I looked at Eric. I said, f*** them. Let's go win this shit. And we did. We kicked the shit out of them. And six months later, Eric got killed in the drive-by. So part of me will always wonder, you know, if Eric just took the deal, would he be alive today? I don't know. Nobody could have predicted that he was just going to get killed so tragically. And it was during that time, and this is the side of Scott Grable people don't see, I had to turn to him as a psychologist. Because when Eric died, and I spoke at his funeral, I was the first one to give a eulogy, and John Estes and Madeline, his family guys were there. Um, I was up in the head you know I lost Aunt Mare I lost Mom I've lost so many loved ones in my life but there was something about Eric's death that just was the first time professionally I could feel this pain as opposed to personally you know and for you criminal defense lawyers out there if you ever had a client that dies on you if you give a fuck, it hurts like hell. If you don't, you just move on. And I've had a couple die on me, but nothing ever hurt like Eric Coleman. And Scott talked me up, you know, how great I did the trial, and people were talking about you, and you, know, you went in there, and you killed it, and you can't really predict what's going to happen. And I appreciate that because... You know, even though Scott Snow's a big money guy, he wasn't getting paid for that. He was just being a friend. When my aunt died, he was being a friend. When Eric died, he was being a friend. These are sides of his abrasive personality that people don't see. On that team, he cares a lot for the team. And there's amazing members on that team. Tim Doman is the best appellate writer in the state of Michigan. I'll put David Herskovitz right up there with him. I'm telling you, Tim is goddamn amazing. Joe Brugnoli and Megan Mast are becoming a star in Grand Rapids. They're both becoming stars in Grand Rapids. Pete Samoris is a great lawyer out of England. Um, the Weesey family, they're strong attorneys. Zach Glaza, excellent. You can't go wrong with Zach. And I know I'm not mentioning everybody on the team, but everybody on that team is special. And to be part of that team, no matter how big my personal persona becomes, I would never not want to be a part of that team. That team's special. That team paved the path for where I am today and where I'm going to go. And I don't know where I would be in my career if I didn't meet Scott Grable at the PNC building in 2014. Um, it was unique. It was destiny in a lot of ways. We went to the Eagle-Falcon game right after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It was the opening game of the season. He got me tickets to the game. We had great seats. And a couple things prior to that game happened. It was a special night. Um, but what I remember was a couple, two things stuck out to me. Scott Zolber was a great friend of mine. And Scott Zolber was going to come to that game. And Scotty had died like six months prior. And I'll talk more about Scott Zolber. Some of you guys have heard that, but it was kind of surreal being at that game with Scotty not being there. Another thing, and I attribute this to Scott getting me those tickets and being there, and my career was starting to take off at this point, was when I was a kid, I used to buy tickets to the 700 level of the old vet. Have enough money for a bus ticket there, and... Maybe to get a hot dog and a soda or whatever. And here we are. These premier seats. The Eagles had just won the Super Bowl. We're there at the special event. And it was kind of a sign of where you came from to where you are. In this same geographic location that so much had changed. In this game, ego plays a big role. If you look at my picture on Grable and Associates when I first joined the team, 
I'm smiling and happy to be there. If you look at the team photo today with me and Jugbrod always sitting next to each other, I look like I want to kill somebody. Because you learn in this game that when you're smiling and looking friendly, people consider that being weak. But when you're ready to kick somebody's, knock somebody's head off for your client, that gets you respect. Image is pretty important in this game. Doesn't mean you can't be respectful to the other side. But it also means they have to know you're not going to f*** around. They have to know you're going to put your client first. They have to know that you are ready to die for that case. And those attributes were instilled in me by Scott Grable. And for that, I will always be grateful, even though I want to kill Scott sometimes. You know, <laughs> there was a guidance counselor in New Jersey, Carl Smallwood. Carl Smallwood told me, I did not have what it takes to be a lawyer. And I should be a sports writer. That's all you'll be able to do. And Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, told me to go to law school and you're going to be dominant. And Scott said to me one day, he goes, well, I'll say two things about Carl Smallwood. He has a good lob game. And I guess Scott knows because he played squash with a guy or something like that. Which I don't know why Scott even brought up his f***ing lob game, but he did. But he goes, but Carl Smallwood said you couldn't do it, and Donald Trump said you could do it. I'm going to go with Donald Trump here in the grand scheme of things. So, whether it was the Bobby Reyes tragedy, the Eric Coleman win, and then what I consider the loss of Eric. Hundreds and hundreds of cases in between. Scott molded me a lot. He did a lot of things he didn't have to do. He took me under his wing, and we've banged heads at times, but I don't think there's a better team out there. And uh, I know I wouldn't be here today without Scott Grable. So, Scotty, love you, bro. You go fuck yourself sometimes. <laughs> but you are an amazing person. You've made a tremendous team, and I'll always be proud to be part of that. No matter what, I'll always be a member of Grable and Associates. So, thank you for opening so many doors for me. All right, I'm Bill Amadeo. I approve this. Later. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.